you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Green with Envy. I am today's host, Greg Manakis, and I got my guy, Adam Taylor, riding with me. Adam, what's good? Yo, it's popping, man. I've been dying for the past eight, nine days, starting to feel human again. I got a wisdom tooth extraction tomorrow, so I'll be screwed all over again. <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, Adam has been uh, recovering from the sickness. He had COVID. So Adam, we're going to spend the first couple minutes. Yeah, it's your third time having COVID. So I need you to tell me a little bit about it because I'm about to go get a COVID test right after we finish talking about this. I do have to go to a brunch uh, because before we talk about your COVID, quick shout to our guy, Will Weir, who last night made the plunge and asked his beautiful now fiance, Lorena, to marry him. And he sent out the picture around 10.30 p.m. last night. Your boy was already asleep. But congratulations to Will and Lorena because they are now um, betrothed. And they're going to get married sometime in the next two years, I would imagine. Yeah, that's dope, though, man. I knew he was planning on asking. I didn't know when he was asking. So I do want to give a shout out to Will. And she said yes, because, you know, everybody goes in like, man, are they going to say yes? Are they going to say no? And there is like a 95% chance it's a yes. But that 5% chance that it's a no is always so fucking nerve wracking. Bro, let me tell you. I mean, I proposed at like 2 p.m. on, I forget which which day of the week it was, but it was July 1st. I'll always remember that day. Um, <laughs> but for Will, he proposed at night. So I'm sitting there all day just like nervous as hell because you're right, like 95%. Yeah, she's going to say yes. But then there's that 5% that, you know, she freaks out and says no. So I'm waiting all day. Like I'm waiting for the confirmation message and it's like 10 p.m. And I'm tired. I, I feel a little under the weather. I'm like, I'm going to bed. I took some NyQuil and I passed out without getting the confirmation from him. And then I woke up this morning and I saw the text message at 1030. But I was freaking out all day, man. I was worried for my guy. Yeah, you got to be, man. You got to be because you want to be there to celebrate when it's a yes. And obviously that 5%, you want to be there to to be there. Yeah. You know what I mean? So like, uh, it, it's tough, man, because you just, and then you got to keep it to your goddamn self as well so you don't ruin it it's, it's a tough position but yo shout out to will uh i don't know what else to say there because <laughs> yeah uh, shout out shout out to will now let's talk about your covid the most important thing here that's not the most important thing <laughs> by a mile like wills is more important 
Uh, I just don't know what else to say. I don't. I don't know his his fiance, so it's not like I can give a shout. Yeah, no, um, of, course, of course. Yeah, if you've got COVID, you're gonna find out. You'll be fine. It's just gonna be shit for a week, and that's all you need to know. Really. And this is your third time having it, brother. Third time. Wow. I've never had it. I have a, I have this brutal cough right now, so I'm like, you know what? Maybe I should go get a test before I head out to the brunch because I'm going out to brunch with uh with Will and Lorena and her family uh, and my fiance Danielle this uh, at Ooh. noon today. So Definitely I gotta, get the test before. Yeah, I know. I gotta because I'm assuming her mom's gonna be there and her mom's a little bit older, so um, definitely gotta go. But I, I don't know. I feel I feel like I've got this lower octave in my voice right now that 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 sounds pleasing to me. Sometimes you know you ever listen back. You know I I record music and whatnot, and we do the pod, and I'm always just like, man, I hate my voice. I just hate my voice. Now that I got this like a little bit lower octave because of the sickness, I've, I feel like it's. It, I'm I'm not going to hate it as much because it's not going to sound like how my voice like you, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think for anyone that does like podcasting or or any type of content creation, the first big hurdle is realizing that how you sound to yourself when you talk and how you sound on camera are so different, dude. And uh, I hate it to the point where I won't listen back to anything I do anymore. Um, <laughs> if I'm on a podcast, that's it. However it turns out, it turn, I'm not going back and listening. I'm, if I have to pull clips, I'll pull clips, but then like I'm kind of muting it and just reading the subtitles that get generated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, like it's not for me, dude, but you'll yeah. be fine. Like if you, if you get it, like it's rough. I mean, are you vaccinated? Yeah. 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 So I had it once before the vaccinations and I've had it twice since being vaccinated. I will say mm-hmm. this time was the worst time out of all three. Um, what was it? What was the biggest symptom for you? The breathing dude. Yeah. Yeah, it's all on my chest. I'm on antibiotics. I'm on steroids. Just trying okay. to, but like the COVID itself was fine. It was just it it really attacked the chest and it hasn't mm-hmm. got better yet. So I'm just like, dude. Then I got to go and have a tough pull tomorrow. So that's gonna be, it is, dude, man. It's October, right? I mean, yeah. You might as well get it all out the way now, so you're ready for the Christmas period, the holiday I, season, dude. I forgive me for my ignorance here. This is super like ethnocentric. Um, do you guys like go big on Halloween? Not really. Like we've, I've been to America to do Halloween on an an occasion or two because you guys do it so much better, right? It's slowly becoming a thing here. Okay. Slowly like more stores, like, you know, they, they create, it used to just be like a really small kind of like side display in a store, you know what I mean? Just like um, a couple of masks. Maybe there's a little few different types of multi-packs of candy you can buy. Now it's like, you know, there's a store, there's a, a really popular mall by me that, have you ever watched Gumball, the TV show, Amazing Adventures of Gumball? No, I have not. It's a kid's cartoon, so I've seen it millions okay. of times. Very <laughs> famous. It's all yeah. over Cartoon Network. But the, uh, a lot of that TV show takes place in a mall, and that mall is... um. It's based on the mall that's by my house. It's called Merry Hill. Um, you can Google this. It's all out there. But they've just they've got a massive Halloween store now. And that weren't a thing two years ago, dude. And I'm talking like you got the fucking the decorations for outside the crib. You got like all the big robotic things that move. Oh, yeah. There's, there's like, a big trend right now where I think it's Home Depot sound, uh, sells this like 15-foot skeleton that people just put out in their yard. So that over the last few years i've seen that skeleton out there are people like decorating houses and and all that not as many okay. like slowly slowly i mean the unwritten rule here is 
it's probably the same way you are. Like if you've got a pumpkin outside your crib, um, you're taking part in Halloween. Okay. If you if you don't, then you're not. And then like the trick or treaters know whether to knock on your door or not based on the fact that whether you've got a pumpkin outside. Um, there's probably on my street so far. There's probably about ten houses out of like forty with a pumpkin. Mm. Uh, I'm tempted to go and put some outside of other people's houses, my damn self. <laughs> uh, but we'll see what happens. Um, do you have a Halloween costume planned for you or for your family? No, dude, we're not going out this year. Like, um, I might dress up a little bit. Generally, I like to. We have like a little routine. We'll watch a Halloween movie. We'll turn the nice. lights off. We'll answer the trick or treaters. <clears throat> We'll kit up like we'll decorate the interior of the house. We don't really decorate the exterior. Um, and then you know we kind of just chill. We kind of just watch spooky movies all evening, or like kids' movies, like Hocus Pocus, Hocus Pocus. Okay, yeah, Hocus you know, Pocus classic. Do you have any other classic Halloween movies you watch? Because we just watched. Uh, my fiance had never actually seen the movie The Lost Boys. I don't know if you know that movie. It's like yeah, Kiefer yeah. Sutherland, 80s classic of the vampire movie. Yeah. Um, so we watched that yesterday to kind of get in the mood because she's not, she doesn't like slasher films. She doesn't like gore. She's more like goofy, um, goofy Halloween movies. Yeah. Uh, she can watch suspense movies like she, Silence of the Lambs, like we, we could watch that, but she's not going to watch Saw. You know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no scream or nothing like no, that. No, no, she's never seen it. I asked her yesterday if she'd seen it. She screams. Said, no. I'll stand by this, and I will do forever. Scream is a comedy, is not a horror. Yeah, that's um, what I was trying to tell her, but she she wasn't into it. I think Idle Hands is one for me. I like to watch that every Halloween. Is that the one with the kid from um the Stan music video? He's it's in what, Li- it's just, Little it's, Giants. I don't know, you know. Let me have Devin, a look. Devin something? I know it's got Seth Green. It's Jessica Alba's debut movie. Um, oh, I, what's, it, what's the Stan music video actor? He's the kid from Little Giants. Uh, Devin Sawa. Yeah. Let me have a look. I, so, I'm pretty I, sure he's in, he's in Idle Hands. Devin Sawa. Idle Hands. Yes, he is in Idle Hands. That's a great movie. Yeah. Love it. Uh, oh, and then the that. other one is like the original Buffy, like mm-hmm. we've act- where it's not Sarah Michelle Geller. Dude, that's kind of a um, banging cast there. They got Devon Sawa, Seth Green, Jessica Alba, Eldon Henson. You would know him from Mighty Ducks as yep. Fulton Reed. Uh, Vivica Fox. <laughs> that, that's a banging cast for, for like, It's such Hands. an underrated movie, dude. It, yeah, it is. I've 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 only seen it a couple times, but I remember really like, yeah, that's when Jessica Alba kind of bursts onto the scene. It's like um, Megan Fox and Jennifer's Body. You ever seen that one? No, I haven't seen that one. Yeah, like if you if you have if you have a week to yourself, maybe <laughs> maybe you could throw that one on. That's that's a good movie. I have. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we're ten minutes in. We're talking about Halloween. It's getting to late October. So you know what that means. That means that we're about to start the NBA season. The NBA season's about 10 days away um, from the moment of recording. We're recording this on Sunday, October 15th at uh, 8.47 in the morning right now, Central Time, just to give everyone an understanding of where we're at. Uh, big news right now, and we'll, we'll go to a quick break and then we'll talk about it. But big news right now, the Celtics just announced, um, or the rumors just got out. I don't know when it actually was officially signed uh, signature on the dotted line, but the Celtics have announced that Jeff Van Gundy 
has joined uh, the organization. He's going to be in a senior consulting role, a uh, senior basketball consultant. So uh, according to F Chris Forsberg, uh, the team says Van Gundy is going to be overseeing all levels of the organization, including the main Celtics. So we're going to uh, take a quick break. When we come back from that break, we will get Adam's thoughts on Jeff Van Gundy, and then I will give you my own. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. All right, Adam. When you first heard the news that the Celtics were bringing in Jeff Van Gundy as the senior basketball consultant, what went through your brain? Yeah, it was logical to me. Like, you know, I don't know if you'd view him as a legendary coach, but he's definitely like a legendary NBA name, right? He's definitely a legendary figure. I think that he's a high IQ guy, high basketball IQ guy, and he's a free agent. His contract of ESPN ended. They never picked him back up. Some team around the NBA was going to probably try and pick him up in a coaching position or in some form of capacity. Why not be Boston, right? Mm -hmm. Like Van Gundy's got experience of coaching stars. He's got experience of being on teams that are rebuilding. He's kind of been across that spectrum and he's seen multiple decades of multiple generations of basketball players come and go. It's not like he's in a position where he's making decisions for you. Mm -hmm. So if for anybody that's like, no, Van Gundy's trash or, you know, you don't feel confident that he's the guy that can help build a team. I get it. He's not going to be what Jerry West has been for the Clippers, but he's going to be probably one of the next best things, right? Uh, just to be a consultant, to give an extra opinion. I think sometimes when you're looking to build out a, a roster as complex as what Boston's is this year, the more opinions you can get, the more information you can gather, the more data points you can kind of look at between you as a group, that's that's going to give you the best chance of success. I don't see a negative to this personally, again, because he's not in a decision-making capacity. Definitely. I'm going to read Joe Mazzulla's uh, quote on Jeff Van Gundy. He says, it's good to get a guy who hasn't been here before that can kind of have an unbiased opinion as to where he thinks things are and where they need to go. And so he's kind of like a fresh set of eyes because he's not around all the time. 
and he's looking at it from an unbiased position, which kind of gives us an advantage because you kind of see it in a different perspective. So to me, the thing that stands out with Missoula's comment reminds me of um, the lessons that we kind of took away from his interview on the JJ Reddick podcast, right? It seemed like he, like in the moment in his first year of coaching, he wasn't able to see things from that outside perspective. He was so far in it that he was unable to deal with it, right? So I think bringing in a Jeff Van Gundy, you you know, you you look at Brad Stevens in the front office, and you would imagine that Joe Missoula could go to him and say, "Hey, Brad, like, give me give me your thoughts on this." But they have this outstanding relationship that's been there, where Brad was his was the head coach, and Joe was just like working his way up as an assistant. So there is that level of familiarity between the two where things are going to be colored in a certain way because of that pre-existing relationship. But when you bring in a Jeff Van Gundy, you're almost bringing in like a a coach for the coach, right? To kind of help him through, give him his thoughts completely unbiased, no ties to um, how things were done in the past. It's just what he thinks where things are and where they need to go, as Missoula said. So I'm super excited about it. I know some people, because of Van Gundy and how he, he's kind of become a caricature of himself as a broadcaster, uh, have kind of soured on him just as a basketball personality. But I, this morning, I posted a clip that always stood out to me, just talking about the way that Van Gundy sees the game and the level of preparation that he, um, that he has always done as a broadcaster and as a coach. It was from 2008. And it's an end-of-game situation between the Dallas Mavericks and the Los Angeles Lakers. And the Lakers are up by one. Paul Gasol is shooting a free throw. It's the, right after the first free throw, Van Gundy says, he says, I don't like Brandon Bass boxing out Kobe Bryant here. He said, Kobe Bryant is a great rebounder off of missed free throws. Gasol misses the free throw. Kobe out-rebounds Brandon Bass. And Mike Breen says, wow, you predicted it. And Mark Jackson chimes in. He's like, no, he didn't predict it. That's coaching. That's preparation, right? And that always stood out to me. That's from 2008. It's 2023. That always resonated with me in my brain because I was like, wow, that was an unbelievable moment for Van Gundy to call that out. And in that level of preparation, he's going to bring that level of preparation to this role, even though he's not going to be there every day. So I'm super excited to have Van Gundy on, on board. Yeah, it could be things like you said, just little tweaks where he's he contacts Missoula like, hey, I think that you know you're you're missing something when you're running this, or mm-hmm. your defense is suffering because you're not implementing this, or your scouting department need to focus more on X rather than Y, right? And that's all it's going to be, just literally little nuggets of information, as you said, from somebody that's non-biased that doesn't need to worry about what they say because they're not there on a daily basis and it's just another voice as you said to lead the coach another voice to lead the franchise i don't see a bad part of this move at all excuse me it's not like we're asking him to be in charge of drafting procedures Mm -hmm. or anything like that it's just hey when you see something or when we ask your opinion on something be as honest and brutally blunt as possible and we'll appreciate you for it I, i think that's perfectly fine yeah, and it's funny because I saw some people tweeting out or commenting that Van Gundy doesn't like the Celtics, which I never I never saw that. I always thought Van Gundy was impressed with what Brad Stevens did as a coach. He would always talk about the the like the Terry Rozier team that we had, the um Isaiah Thomas team. 
and he would always talk about like the size that the Celtics were able to put up, put out there on the wing. He always commented on the athleticism of the team and Brad Stevens' preparation. Remember how we used to run that um, defense for side out of bounds, like end of game situations where Stevens would kind of go into that diamond trap. And Van yeah. Gundy, Van Gundy would always talk about that, right? He 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 knew that tendency of the Celtics. He he loved that defense. We got so many steals out of that defensive setup because um because because of the athleticism of the guards. And Rozier was so quick. Marcus Smart was so quick in that setup. Um, so I, I'm super excited to have Van Gundy on board, and I'm excited to see how the Celtics kind of deploy him. Even though they've said he's gonna you know kind of be in this. Um, on again, off again, role coming in, coming into the team. Um, I wonder how that's going to evolve throughout the year. But right now, the Celtics have two more preseason games. Uh, we got a couple coming up this week. We have one on Tuesday against the Knicks, and then we have one on Thursday against the Hornets. So we haven't had a chance to kind of talk about what you've seen in the preseason. I've been tweeting some plays out um, from my own personal account at Mini Minnow, just things that I've seen out of Drew Holiday that I really love. Um, what have you seen thus far in the preseason that's either um, you know meeting your expectations or exceeding your expectations? Yeah, so I think coming into the season, I tried to give myself a blank slate. I didn't want to be like, well, they ran this last year, so they're going to run it again this year. Yeah, yeah. I think that they've moved away from spamming the Spain pick and roll. That was something that they mm -hmm. overran last year. They used it as decoy action. They used it as a primary entry. Primary entry. They haven't really lent into that too much this season. It's been more about the, the pace, uh, pace and space offense. A lot, a lot of drag screens, a lot of rip screens. Uh, just early offensive actions, right? Early pitch ahead to kicking the ball up court quickly because the ball can travel faster than the pe than the defense. Um, that's pretty much been what we've seen from them. Their, their early offense, 21 actions. Um, there's some 21 Nash. A lot of rip screens again. I'd like to see them run more stuff along the baseline, maybe some flex, maybe some, um, some exit screens or some hammer actions just to get the ball moving down on the baseline a little bit more. I do feel like it's very wing and top of the perimeter focused at the moment. Mm -hmm. And you want to just be able to spread the floor down to that baseline area as well because of the athleticism you've got on the wing. Um, defensively, it's been great. I think they're pinching, they're, they're funneling guys towards Chris Stapps. I really like the double big lineup, but I'm not expecting that to stay. Um, simply because you don't really have the big de big man depth that you did before trading for Drew, and yeah. that you're going to probably want Drew in that starting five. Uh, that's pretty much my only major takeaways, really. I think House has been playing okay. Like, I know people were killing him for not really shooting well in the first two games. Is it two games? Yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he's played three, but he wasn't Yeah, he didn't well shoot well for two. two. Yeah. Uh, and I know people were killing him for that, but that's okay. Like, it's preseason. Like, you can't expect these guys to come in and be at the top of their game after three, four months off. Yeah, not everybody can be preseason Pete, right? Exactly. And, like, you know, part of me feels like I would rather you not be preseason Pete. Because if you're peaking in preseason, come February, January, that's a long time to sustain it to then still have four, five, six months to sustain that level of play. Mm -hmm. I'd rather you take a bit of time to build into things. Uh, but Hauser's defense has been good. I think it's been overlooked a little bit. Paul Zingas has been great. Like he's such a deterrent around the rim. Yeah, he's huge. And then playoff P is uh he's the most improved perform uh, most improved player candidate for 
most improved Peyton Pritchard. He, he a lot of P. most improved P. Most improved P. Uh, MRPP. I, I I could I could see Pritchard. You know, like the the comment on is he peaking right now in the preseason? I know that's not. We're not saying that this is the Peyton. Peyton Pritchard peak right now, man. We are using alliteration. It's kind of hard <laughs> not to when you when you start with Peyton Pritchard. Um, but you know the the consistency. If he can come in in a consistent role, give you eighteen to twenty minutes a night, running a professional pick and roll, which is something that we've seen a little bit more out of Pritchard. He's got some really good pace. He's get, getting guys on his hip, putting them in jail. Um, you know, running a professional pick and roll like you see out of um, J.D. Davison is actually really impressive in, in the pick and roll in the limited minutes. You know, I, I know it's against the, the end of the bench guys, but he actually has really great pace in the, in the pick and roll, throws a great lob. But it seems like Pritchard, uh, that's something that he's been working on. Uh, he commented on it, just his ability to, to run that professional pick and roll to see moments when he can, he can probe, throw the lob pass, or he can take that kind of Dame Lillard dribble, um, probe dribble, and then step back into the three-pointer. You've seen that a few times. And then just the confidence and the green light that we're seeing out of Pritchard to let things go. Um, but, you know, I want to talk about Hauser a little bit because one guy that's actually really impressed me this preseason has been Svee. Um, Svee, when, when we signed him and I watched some tape on him, I was like, oh, man, like this guy actually has a little bit more to his game than I thought. He's He's strong. He's athletic. He's got a really strong base. Um, he, he's got short arms, but he, you know, it, I think it was Scal that commented on it. He makes up for it with with that strong base and with that vertical that he has. He's a good movement shooter. He's got a little bit more of a playmaking gene capability than a Hauser does. He's not quite as good of a defender, I think, just because Hauser's six eight six nine, Sfee's like six five six six. So I think there's a little bit more that Hauser can do on the defensive end. But Svi has really, uh, you know, stood out to me as someone that I didn't expect to make the roster. That looks like he's going to make the roster. So, what have you seen out of Svi? And do you think there's any world in which he supplants Hauser as that movement shooter off the bench? I think no. I'll start with the last question because I feel like that's the most prevalent at the moment. Yeah. I think that if Hauser has a slump the way he did last season, where it went, what was it, twenty games, twenty-two yeah. games, where Hauser really struggled, Svi is another option. Right, I think Svi can come in and really put pressure on Hauser for, for rotation minutes. I think Hauser still wins out it to begin the year simply because of that defensive upside. Mm-hmm. One thing we've seen throughout the preseason is... Sorry, I'm still struggling to breathe at times. So one thing we've yeah. seen throughout the uh, the preseason is Svi gets beaten off closeouts quite easy. Mm-hmm. When he's closing out to guys, guys will just drive his closeout. He doesn't really have that hip dexterity where... You know, people, you can't, you have to flip your hips to change direction. And Svi takes a little bit of time to really get his direction fully changed. Whereas Hauser does have that hip dexterity where he can yeah. just turn and, on a dime, you know? And I, I also think that's partially understanding the angle, right? Yeah. So, like, if you're closing out and you're a little, you know, just half a step too high, you can get beat off the dribble. And then the lack of hip dexterity that, that you mentioned with Svi maybe could um, rear its head where Hauser, yeah, he he does he does move his feet well, he moves his hips well, but he's also a really good positional defender. And it also comes down to the offense as well, right? Like understanding angles goes both ways. You can mm-hmm. have the best angle possible as a defender, but if the offensive player knows how to drive, drive a closeout and close off angles and take angles away, well, that limits your ability to get back in the play as well. But I think Svi has been a bit of um, 
a bit of a leaky faucet type of thing uh, when yeah. closing out. Uh, other than that, free movement shooting's fantastic. Catch um, scoring off dribble handoffs, scoring off um, coming over screens and the catch and shoot. Can can drive a closeout himself. As we saw, he had that nice um, that nice jump for that one putback dunk. Mm-hmm. I, I like him. I think he's a reliable guy. I think you're going to get more two level scoring out of him. I think he'll get rim and freeze. I'm not sure there'll be a mid range game there unless he's just like taking one two dribbles and pulling up after a closeout. Whereas House is pretty much a single. He's a he's a one level scorer guy. He's going to give you loads from free, and you might get the occasional Hauser dunk when he has mm-hmm. one of those Hauser games that we saw to, toward the end of last year. But Svi, to me, is still behind Hauser simply because of the defensive upside that Hauser has. Definitely. All right, let's take our last break of the podcast, and then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about Porzingis. Maybe we'll touch a little bit more on Pritchard, but then I also want to talk about your uh, favorite player on the Celtics, O'Shea Brissett. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, we're back, and Adam is going to sing uh, all of the O'Shea Brissett praises that he has. Uh, when I said it, I don't think Adam quite picked up that I was joking at first. But Adam, the we talked about Hauser versus Fee, but there's also the idea that who is going to be the other wing that's not just a shooter, right? Because we have Lamar Stevens, we have Delano Banton, and we have your guy O'Shea Brissett. So of those three guys, who has impressed you the most, and what have you seen in terms of uh, Brissett's game that is confirming what you didn't like when you watched initial tape? Yeah, so I understood you were joking, but I had to pull a face for effect for people watching. Um, right, so the guy imp- impressing me the most has been Lamar Stevens. I think that you know we've seen his positional versatility defensively throughout the first three games. He's been tasked with playing guarding up at the five. He's guarding threes. He's guarding fours. He's a is just hounding dudes. Like he's not really going to give you much offensively, and that's fine. None of these three guys we're speaking about really are. Um, I think that the the positional versatility, the defensive intensity, and the slight upside of just having a guy that can run the lane, cause create a steal, and then attack off that, which is Steven's kind of mantra, right? Just controlled chaos. I think there's value there. I also like the fact that he was a consistent rotation member on a contending team last season. Not a contending team, but a playoff contender. You know what I mean? Yeah, like the- and, and, and to be, you know, I, I think consistent is probably a little strong of a word. He was 60 kind of games, of right? Yeah, he was a little bit in and out of the rotation, but I think eventually by the end of the year, he had kind of earned that spot. See, I look at 60 games and I'm like, 
most players play between 60 and 70. Mm-hmm. No one plays the 82. So yeah. if I see 60, I'm like, you were there consistently enough. You know, 20, I think it was 20, 25 starts, the rest off the bench. You were definitely there and thereabouts, whereas O'Shea Brissett probably played more frequently, but played mm-hmm. on a team with less competition for minutes. He yeah. played, um, one thing that I've liked about Brissett, I'll start with the good because there are some good. Again, positional versatility. I think he's a quite an intelligent defender, knows when to help off, knows when to stay back, like stay with his man. Rotates well, um, good length, so he, he kills passing lanes Crazy while rotating. Yeah, really, really good bounce to him. Can't score at all. Like the yeah. dude, like, and like my outlook on it is if you can't score and you're not trying to score, like you're facilitating, you're just defending, you're doing what Lamar Stevens does, I'm cool with that. But I've seen Brissette smoke multiple layups over the first three games. I can't really recall Steven smoking multiple shots because he's just not taking them. You know, it's funny. You mentioned uh, Lamar Stevens playing with a controlled chaos. Uh, O'Shea Brissett just plays with chaos. Yeah. He, yeah. <laughs> there's no control to what he's doing, especially in the offensive end. You know, he actually reminds me a little bit of Aaron Neesmith. Me too, but nowhere near as good, nowhere near as talented. Um and that's probably like the Pacers were like, oh, well, you gave us controlled chaos. Well, you gave us chaos in Neesmith. You, you know, you might as well take O'Shea. I think personally, if I had to choose between O'Shea, Stevens, and Banton, I, I like Banton. I think he's a good prospect. Um, again, I don't expect him to play this year. If he plays, it'll be because it's the end of a game and it's a blowout or for what, or maybe there's injury issues. But he's a good flyer to take. Really, really good court control. Really good court vision. I'm one of the better pick and roll ball handlers that's on the, on the team mm-hmm. because of his size. Uh, obviously, he's got upside as a defender. If I have to choose, I'd cut Brissett, keep Stevens, and then figure out a way to just develop Banton. And yeah, I'd, I'd run with that. Banton, man, he he's so promising as a prospect. I would just if if I were the Celtics. I would get Jeff Van Gundy with Banton and I would just watch hours and hours of Sean Livingston tape. That's what I would do with with Delano Banton because he does have a lot of – Livingston was like a preternatural playmaker. If you watch Sean Livingston before the injury, that was one of the best prospects coming into the NBA. And then he had, obviously had that horrible knee injury, had to work his way back. But end of career, Sean Livingston, especially on the Warriors, there's no reason Delano Banton – can't emulate a lot of what Livingston did. I mean, he's six seven and three quarters. There was that report, you know, six nine versus six seven. What is he? Uh, six seven and three quarters. He runs a really good pick and roll. Um, got great pace. Got great length with that little pull up jump shot. He's and he gonna, can score. He can score. You know, that one game he had twenty points uh, when when we entrusted him with a little bit more of the offense. He's going to be a really valuable defender, um, especially in drop because his ability to stay attached, uh, running over screens and contesting from behind. Um, I, you know, in the zone that we've seen Missoula trot out a couple times here in the preseason, I think he could be really disruptive in that zone. So as a prospect and for someone who I think has a higher upside than Brissett, I think Brissett he is what we've seen. He's going to show us what he is. And he's just, uh, you know, an energy guy, like a Javante green type and Aaron Neesmith type without the shot, but does Neesmith even have a shot? Um, there's like all these things that Brissett, I could see why the Celtics could talk themselves into Brissett for this particular season. But if we're looking long-term, Banton's the guy that I'd want. Yeah. I'll go Stevens for this season, Banton for now and long-term and Brissett 
honestly, I just think he's the odd one out simply because Stevens was available and came in. I feel yeah. like Stevens has slightly outperformed so, him. My my question though, because Banton's on a non guaranteed deal, is Stevens also on a non guaranteed deal? Stevens on a training camp deal, right? So like, does it does it matter in terms of contracts because Brissett was actually signed, right? Yeah, I think Brissett's on a non guarantee. Let me pull it up real quick because I knew Banton was. I knew Stevens was just on a a training camp deal. So I was in my head. I was like, man, does that mean that he's just going to make it because we've actually signed him and the other guys are non guaranteed? Sure. He, I've heard rumors that Brissett was a training camp deal too. Uh, no, Brissett's a full guaranteed. He's there, right? So, like, I don't, I don't, I don't see the Celtics cutting him because of that. No, no, so neither do I. It's really going to come down to Banton versus Stevens. And was Svee guaranteed? No, Svee's non-guaranteed. Okay, right. So it's kind of unfortunate that the the three guys that we like the most are the ones that don't have the shoe in to the roster spot because I'm just, because, so, I'm really low on O'Shea Brissett. I think Brissett, you know, there, there are moments that you see out of him, especially on the defensive end, his ability to move his feet um, against Maxi, particularly Maxi just blows by everybody. And Brissett the other day had a couple of, a couple of possessions where he was guarding him in isolation and just moved his feet and completely shut off the angle on Maxi, which is almost impossible to do with how fast that guy is. So there are moments from Brissett where I'm like, okay, if if he ever learns to just find another pace to his game because he's just 100% all the time crashing yeah. missed style, if he just figured out how to find one other gear in his game, there's a, there's a really exciting player in there for someone who's only going to need to play 10 to 15 minutes a game, and those are you know maybe not every game. So there, there, is, a, there is a world in which Brissett actually – does fit this team better than Banton for this particular year, right? And better than Stevens because Steve, Stevens, I like Stevens a lot. His positional versatility that you talked about, his ability to guard up to the five, I, I could see small ball lineups and, and inverted zone lineups where Stevens is actually running the back line of that zone. Um, but I, I just don't know that we can rely on his offense you know, it's not saying much because we can't rely on Brissett, but I think Stevens' offense is even another level below that. So I don't Do know. You, man. I, think, I think they're similar. Like, I think for me, Brissett's just, but you know how I talk about single skill guys? Mm -hmm. So Brissett to me is a single skill guy, and that skill is defense. And that's fine. But at the same time, that concerns me because he still takes shots. Right, do you know what I'm saying? He still yeah. drives the lane and tries to finish around the rim and smokes layups. And well, he's can, good at shooting the gap. I mean, on, on he, yeah, he's, he's great at driving the 45 angle off the wing, he right? But he doesn't know how to finish. He gets to the rim every time, and I'm like, oh, dude, that like you're so athletic. Why aren't you finishing these layups? Getting like flashbacks to Malcolm Just Brogdon. Dunk them, dude. Like, I don't understand the aversion to dunking the basketball these days. Like, if you can't finish a layup because you're just not great at finishing layups maybe you're over you're overducing the release or whatever just jam it dude yeah like, do you understand how much more valuable you would be uh, as an overall prospect if you were shooting 40 to well say 50 to 62 percent around the rim just because you're yamming them home you're donking on falls fine do that and then i'm gonna think you're awesome but right now i am quite low on brissette part of it's just because you know 
he was bought in as partially a Grant Williams replacement. And I, loads of people were like, would you wait till you see what Brissett brings? I've seen it's not great. I'm past yeah. it. Well, hey, um, let's talk about Grant for a second. I don't know if you've watched what's going on with the Mavs in the preseason. I'm worried for Grant. I think he's going to be asked to do a little bit too much or maybe even not enough. Like the role that they're giving him in Dallas, because it's so Luka centric, I like, I don't know that he's going to love playing with Luka Doncic, man. Like Luka, nobody seems to like playing with Luka Doncic. I'm worried for Grant because I think Grant could be a really good NBA player, but I'm concerned that he's literally just going to be standing there and Luka's going to pass him the ball one out of every 15 possessions. That's it. I was thinking about it. Yeah, I think Grant will just be a screen and release valve guy because Hardaway Jr. is going to get his freeze there before Grant yeah. does. Uh, Kyrie is going to get shots up before Grant does. Luca's going to get shots up before Grant does. Who else is in that rotation there? So Grant's like your four, four, fifth option on every mm -hmm. offensive possession. Yeah, and you're going to cycle through multiple guys before you go to him. I, I don't think he's going to excel. I always wanted to see a little bit more Grant in the post. There were some, a few games last year where the and when teams would be switching, um, especially off ball, Grant would take people into the post and just kind of dominate in the post. I I want to see a little bit more of that. I just think like the stagnation for the Mavs offense isn't going to be great for Grant Williams. No, not uh, at all. And I yeah. will say that you know when he was with Tennessee back in college, that was his game. He was a back to the basket post up guy. Yeah, like if you remember, he struggled shooting threes when he came into the NBA because he hadn't done it, done it throughout his collegiate career. He was always a post dude. Yeah. So when we start, when we started seeing him go to the post in the NBA last season, one of the takeaways that some people I saw had was Grant doesn't know how to post up. This isn't his game. When it, the truth was, no, this is actually what he's best at. Like he's doing what he feels most comfortable with doing, and that was diversifying mm -hmm. his offense. I just, as you said, I don't see how he thrives there with, next to Luca. He's been brought in to just be a free and D wing with low volume on free and high volume on D. Yeah, and you know, bringing him in, they they don't they're not going to contend for a championship this year. But I think teams around the league are looking at the Denver Nuggets, right? And they're like, this is a team that we're going to have to beat over the next three years. So, like, who can we bring in that's going to help us beat that team? Grant Williams uh, obviously has had success against Jokic in the past. So Batman. I could, Batman, I could see uh, that argument for any team out there. Like who's the guy that we can throw at Jokic and hold his own so that Jokic just doesn't go 40, 20, and 10 on us every game, which he will probably do to Grant Williams multiple times this season. Um, okay, Adam, we're 40 minutes in. You're not feeling great. I have to go get a COVID test here. So we're going to wrap things up. But one thing I want to write down for the next time you and I get together is I want to talk about Chris Dapps, Porzingis in the short roll. Okay, so we're going to okay. tease that next time. Um, we'll watch on Tuesday Celtics-Knicks to see how, like, how that develops. And then Celtics-Hornets. I'm hoping the Celtics don't play all of their starters in the last preseason game. I'm hoping they use the Tuesday game against the Knicks as their uh, kind of dress rehearsal for the regular season and then everybody sits on thursday but next time we talk adam and i will be breaking down chris Dapps in the short roll sound good my guy i'm always down all right this was fun uh once again shout out to will for uh making the plunge and and getting lorena to sign on for a lifetime deal uh we're gonna play you out with some music from my band down here in austin texas we are called black sheep optimists and this is get this high peace everybody
bench no more Until I hit the floor Every time I get this high It's you I find It don't take much no more Until I'm at your door You call me to my core, baby What can I say? You got me on the floor, you know I came to play. I know I shouldn't, but you seem to take my pain away. And every time I score, Jason Tatum fade away. I close my eyes and I float.